This week, I looked at mobile payment apps, Parler, yes, that Parler, streaming, and widgets. Let's get to it. And everything is timestamped, so you can skip around if you'd like. A lot of things moved in-app during the pandemic, and while many are now beginning to move back out, making payments is not only staying in-app, but it's also growing a lot. We project September to be the highest month of downloads for the top mobile payment providers in the U.S. Those include Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, and Zelle. Together, quarterly downloads of the group grew 78% since 2020, from 16 million in Q1 of 2020 to 29 million in Q3 of 2022, according to our estimates. While all apps grew, not all apps grew the same. Zelle, the smallest of the bunch in terms of downloads both before and after, saw the most growth in the period, growing a whopping 123%. We estimate Q3 2022 downloads to hit 4.9 million. Cash App, the leader in terms of downloads both before and after, more than doubled as well. We estimate Cash App to hit 12.6 million downloads in Q3. That's an all-time best. Venmo and PayPal, two names that are less exciting these days, also grew by an impressive amount. They didn't double, but that just means Cash App is winning this race. What I'm finding a bit odd is how much emphasis is being put on crypto, which really means Bitcoin in this case, in apps used by mere mortals. Though, I suspect it's more wishful thinking than real demand for crypto trading at this point. Do you trade crypto or pay with Bitcoin with any of these apps? Let me know in the comments below. I'm curious. By the way, I'm Ariel from AppFigures, and you're tuned into a brand new episode of This Week in Apps, a short, data-first, no-fluff roundup of the top five insights in mobile apps and games. Back to the show now. Remember Parler, the social media platform that tried to compete with Twitter by allowing everyone to say anything? In case you don't, a few years ago, after several politicians were banned from Twitter for saying things that didn't exactly align with Twitter's rules, an unknown app by the name of Parler became popular for not having many rules and for enabling free speech. Within a few months, Parler's popularity and downloads rose to the point its lack of rules became a liability for major app stores and even for its cloud provider, Amazon. In early January, Parler was kicked out of AWS, the App Store, and Google Play, and I'm not going to get into the politics of why all this happened, because I'm only here for the numbers. It spent a while re-establishing itself and finding a new cloud provider, and eventually was allowed back into the App Store. By that time, it lost most of its momentum and also lost its CEO. Well, a few weeks ago, Google finally allowed Parler back into its store. So why is this interesting, you might ask? See, Parler was the first in what's now becoming a crowded market of Twitter clones that emphasize free speech as their core philosophy. At its peak, Parler saw more than a million downloads in one day. After looking at downloads of Truth Social and Rumble a couple of weeks ago, I just had to take a look at what downloads look like now that Parler is officially back. According to our estimates, Parler's return added about 18,000 new users to the platform. That may sound like a lot, but it really isn't. Trump's platform gets that many downloads in a few days, and that's only from the App Store because Google hasn't allowed it back into its store. Or at all. Another competitor, Getter, is smaller but still bigger than Parler, and Rumble has grown faster than all of them combined. Also, the bump in downloads slopped down hard within a few days, bringing Parler's daily downloads back into the hundreds. Just hundreds. Parler seems to understand they may no longer be relevant. I say this because they recently announced the acquisition of a cloud hosting provider and explain they want to become the infrastructure provider to platforms that may not be accepted elsewhere. I see that as an interesting move in a space that so far hasn't really gotten the traction some expected it to, but with this, I fully expect to see and hear more about it in the coming months, and I also expect chaos and no real business ventures. Next, 
Last week, I looked at the first day of iOS 16 and its impact on downloads. Now, a week plus in, I have more data to share to give you an insight into the second wave of demand for widgets and answer the question of whether you should make a widget app too, if you're a developer, of course. Spoiler, you probably shouldn't. I collected all widget apps that are currently ranked in the top 100 list in the US App Store, and I'll link to the live list in the description so you can check it out as well. There weren't as many widgets as I initially expected, and as I remembered from 2020. Just four. The first sign this widget wave isn't as big as 2020, and a reason why you probably shouldn't jump in right now. Combined downloads for the four apps, which include Widgetable, Top Widgets, Themify, and Widgetsmith, just crossed 13 million downloads since iOS 16 launched. That's more than a million new downloads every day. Yes, but that's not as many downloads as I'd expect when comparing it to the numbers from 2020. The app seeing this lack of excitement the most is Widgetsmith. It owned 2020. This time around, downloads were a fraction of what it saw when iOS 14 launched, about a tenth. But there's more bad news. Widgetable, the app that's currently in the lead both in terms of downloads and rank, is spending a lot of money on Apple search ads to maintain that rank. According to our Apple search ad intelligence, which is coming to the platform soon, I promise. The app is bidding on hundreds of keywords, some not even that relevant. If you recall from the episode two weeks ago, Apple search ads are how many of the top apps remain the top apps. Not necessarily good. So if you have time and money to burn, you might want to make a widget app. Otherwise, there are way better opportunities out there for you, in my opinion. And if you want me to do a video on how to find opportunities in the App Store, let me know in the comments below and also give this video a like. That would help. Now, on to one of my favorite topics. There are two big trends we've seen recently. The first is that everyone is getting into the streaming race. The second is that more and more apps are attempting to monetize their users directly. And that's important. The NFL leaned into both by introducing NFL Plus, a new streaming offering that's done direct to viewer and not through a third party, as it always has. A big chunk of NFL Plus and NFL Plus Premium, the two tiers users can now subscribe to, is mobile only, making this very interesting. It's a very interesting move in a world that's normally governed by very old legacy and very boring rights agreements that are too complicated for mere mortals, in my opinion. Now, the 2022 season kicked off a few weeks ago, which means we should now be able to answer the simple question of whether the NFL is making money as a streamer. And the answer is yes, of course it is, but how much? According to our estimates, NFL Plus and NFL Plus Premium have already earned a combined total of more than $10.5 million. And that's net revenue, meaning what the NFL gets to keep after Apple and Google take their share. 86% of that total came from the App Store, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who's seen me talk before. And while almost all of the revenue came from the US, a handful of other countries are showing interest in an American sport by opening their wallets. Just a tiny bit. Growth is the interesting bit here. Revenue grew gradually before the season started and exploded last weekend. Our estimates show NFL's net revenue crossed a million dollars on Sunday alone. I expect to see more growth here and also more incentives for viewers to move away from third parties and cable providers and over to pay directly in the app. What a time to stream. And speaking of streaming, Amazon's latest original series launched this month, and for the first time in what feels like a long time, you can actually see the impact The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power is having on downloads. That's a really good thing for Amazon. Downloads rose to their highest this year on Saturday, September 3rd, the first weekend after the show's release. In numbers, Amazon added 498,000 new users on that day, almost a half a million new users to its app. That's kind of cool. The previous peak was all the way back in January and was kind of far. 
But that was just the first week. In its second Saturday, September 17th, which happened to be my birthday, Amazon's downloads broke the previous week's record with 604,000 new downloads. That's an all-new, all-time high for Amazon. And that's Amazon Prime Video. Looking at Amazon Prime Video's downloads, I have to point out that the steady stream that you're seeing is nice, but it stems from Amazon's ability to shove its streaming service to Prime members more so than being a popular streaming destination like HBO Max or Disney+. Plus. We have to keep that in mind. And that's why there's no real growth. Its ability to produce originals that take off was questionable, with a few hits and a bunch of misses, but Amazon seems to be getting more hits these days. A few months ago, Amazon premiered another exclusive, the latest installment of James Bond, which I thought would be super popular for Amazon's unexciting mobile streaming app. It really isn't exciting. Especially considering this was probably the last time we see the Bond we're used to. Download saw a bump when no time to die launch, but not nearly as much as this month, thanks to the Ring of Power. So either James Bond was not a very exciting movie, and if you ask me, it wasn't, or Amazon learned a thing or three about promoting its content. Maybe both. Either way, the streaming race isn't over just yet. And that's all I have for you this week. There's a new episode every week, so if you haven't already, now's a great time to subscribe and click the little bell. And if you like the insights in this episode, give it a like. Now, if you're a developer making money with subscriptions, continue on to watch my latest AF chat about the future of subscriptions. There's a bunch of good stuff there. I'll see you next week.